two little mice fell in a bucket of cream. The first mouse quickly gave up and drowned. The second mouse wouldn't quit. He struggled so hard that eventually he turned that cream into butter and crawled out. Gentlemen, as of this moment, I am that second mouse. It's amazing. He's talking about motorcycle insurance. Now let's start the show. Step back on the cold. Problems. Mm. Tell us to fuck off. Ladies and gentlemen, the CO double MON synonym for fresh truth is the emblem. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Second Mouse Podcast. My name is Anthony Gatto. I'm joined with everyone's favorite consonant, Q, and longtime Ginny Thomas impersonator Tom DeRoma. How's it going, guys? I have staked my career on it. Well, at least my time in D.C. on it. No more rotisserie chickens? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking what do you? What do you mean? I saw a sign that it said it's on sale. It said on sale. If you have a sign that says rotisserie chickens on sale, they need to be on sale. Jesus Christ. I fucking love this show. <sighs> Has she had chicken on sale rants before? Is that a... No, we're just doing Karen voice. She strikes me as somebody who has definitely complained to the grocer staff about something. On average, on average goes out to eat somewhere. On average, how many times does she send food back? She sends the Cobb salad back at least four times. At least four times, right? There's not enough Cobb in it, ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't you know can never get enough Cobb, first off. Let's be honest. These eggs are too soft. Make them harder. <laughs> I like my bacon crispy. <laughs> this just, is weak bacon. And then and all of a sudden it comes back. No, this is too crispy now. Now it's just brittle. <laughs> she just names the entire description of like the Asian chicken salad above it. And she's like, no, it's see, look, the name. Oh, oh. No. This is supposed to have sesame sticks in it, and it doesn't have any sesame <laughs> sticks. Man, Where are my fried wontons? That's the fried chicken Asian sublime salad, ma'am. I don't care. <laughs> it doesn't practice Santeria, that chicken. <laughs> Ain't got no crystal ball. <laughs> if only we had one, we wouldn't be in this fucking mess. If, now, if I had a crystal ball, Tom... You wouldn't have been talking shit about me watching the Oscars last night. I didn't say it was a bad thing. I just felt like in all like in normal years, watching the Oscars would be a big fucking waste of your time. You know what's really funny, actually? It still I, was a big waste of everyone. No, no, it totally is. Yeah. And I, I don't typically watch the Oscars. Something compelled me to watch it. The last time I watched it was when that La La Land and Moonlight thing happened. So apparently anytime I watch the Oscars, some fuckery type thing goes down. And uh, yeah, that was uh, that was an insane moment. Oh, from from all indication, according to like the um, the peacemaker. Denzel. No. Diddy. Oh, yes. (laughs) Yeah, I forgot. Diddy. Yes. Diddy would have been the guy that Donald Trump would have sent in for the fucking Ukrainian Russian <laughs> conflict, you know? If Dennis Rodman had, like, 
slept through his flight and Steven Seagal had got locked in the storage closet at the airport. He's just got Diddy on reserve. Can you imagine Trump coming out and being like, we're going to send a team, Diddy, Steven Seagal, and Kevin. Diddy, Papa Diddy Puff. <laughs> Some say he's the greatest rapper ever. Have you ever seen the amazing film Paul Blart, Mall Cop, sending him in? He's going to do Covert. So, guys, uh, did you guys see the full video and of what of of what happened you know i was looking for like the full full video of everything chris rock said up to that point but apparently all he did was he got into like javier bardem and penelope cruz and then he segued into will smith and his wife and that's why no one's really has anything more it was very innocent because yeah he he did the javier bardem thing where he's like oh if you know he's rooting for will smith to win because if he wins and his wife doesn't win and and like you know very innocuous and kind of dumb and then he says something about uh denzel like loved you in the uh he makes them like King training- Lear. King yeah, Lear. yeah yeah he makes He's like but uh but training day like he makes his training day and in, in the movie together and then he gets to will smith and it's weird because if you watch the one moment after he says the joke will smith is laughing he yep. is he's enjoying it which is weird, but you see Jada's face kind of like sink and get like. And next thing you know, I I thought he was going up on. I thought it was a bit. He was like up that. and no. smacked him, and I'm like, oh, this is a bit. I'm like, this is a weird bit, but like, okay. But the sound cut out right after that, and you see like them mouthing at each other, and like you know, like they obviously are on a delay. Oh, this is fucking real. There is just enough conspiracy here for me to say that this is a conspiracy. I got to be honest. No, you know what it was? I actually found out that apparently they have some long-standing beef together because in when he hosted in 2016, he said something about Jada. I think she was That's 2016. Um yeah, Oscar so white. So she she basically boycotted the Oscars in protest and he kind of made a stick with your guns. You're on TV. He made a real crude joke that like, you know, is kind of crazy. But yeah, basically like you're on TV, you're not protesting, you were invited. Everybody knows what's going on with Will Smith and his marriage. Like it's been kind of public record. They're like in an open marriage and it's been kind of embarrassing. I have a feeling that was like a lot of bubbled up feelings. Yeah, there's there's a lot more, I think, underneath the surface here. And people are like, there's a lot of people losing their mind at Will Smith over this. And I'm just like, everything got the best of him in that fucking moment. And he just fucking reacted very, very poorly. He he had a lot of other options probably first. He could have fucking heckled him. He probably could have said a bunch of shit. But he decided to go King Richard on him. Which is weird he, in his acceptance speech, because of course he fucking won. He he references King Richard a lot, like, you know, Richard Williams a lot. Am I, maybe I'm wrong here, but I could have swore they don't talk to their dad anymore. Yes, they yeah, have I don't a very think strange relationship. So he keeps talking about, like, he loves his family. And it's like I didn't notice it, but they did pan up to the Williams family during that a few times. Yeah. And I don't know if he was sitting there. I, I couldn't no, tell you. I don't think he was, no, right? No. He wasn't there. Not, he was definitely not there. And <laughs> from, from everything I know, they don't speak to him anymore. They made this great movie about the Williams family, and it had to be about the dead. Like, it had to be about <laughs> That's not lost on me either. I think Bomani Jones had something about that, too, a couple weeks ago, where he was like, is anyone else finding it interesting that these 
two girls who are the ones that broke all of these records, they choose to go first and foremost for his dad, for their dad to talk about. You know, what's funny is that would make sense because Amy Schumer, he steals every fucking joke. So it wouldn't surprise me or shock me to know that her fucking punchlines came from somebody else. You want to know the funniest part, though, is that in his uh, acceptance speech, he didn't think Jada at all. He said his family. He said his mom. He specifically mentioned his mom to try to make a joke. About her knitting something? I don't know. Knitting so he was... Honestly, you just slapped a man for your honor. I think she knows where his heart's at. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say I'm going to say a hot take or should I save it? No, uh, you know what? Go for it. You know, I'm I'm not bothered by it, but I do find it interesting that Will Smith got real aggressive towards somebody who made a comment about his wife versus the guy who actually slept with his wife and did nothing about it. Yeah, an entanglement, Tom? Yes. If you will. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's an interesting point is that I, 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 that's why I'm telling you, I think it's a mixture that he was obviously pissed about the discourse of his marriage over the last few years. And I think, I think it's a lot of feelings. I think also, obviously the history that they probably have together that played into it. I think it's a bunch of things kind of boiled all together. I want to say they've been going to marriage counseling for a while now and some things fucking bubbled up that probably just hit a tipping point but didn't they like have their hash out thing on a tv show though her yes. tv show yeah so this doesn't really seem like it's like one helpful for him and then two like you know this is really tragic because this he's been nominated three times and this is the first time he's won and you think about like will smith he's been in like a million like big blockbuster movies the night is ultimately completely ruined for him i mean again i we're gonna get into award show in general i think they're all a bunch of shit but like in context of like that moment he had to have known that he was gonna win that night that's why they didn't remove him either like i guarantee he would have been removed from the oscars if it wasn't for the fact that they knew he was gonna win <laughs> maybe he was trying to figure out whether or not he won and that was the perfect way to figure <laughs> it out <laughs> yeah, it's a nice canary in the coal mine, too. Like, no, no, we can't throw you out because you're actually going to win this thing. Right. <laughs> they, like, let him back in. Well, that that kind of goes to show there's, like, no security inside the fucking place, right? Well, no. to be fair, no one wants to be there anyway, so what better way to find out if you have to sit there for the whole time than to crack somebody? <laughs> yeah, that's true. It's like, I got a, I got a table at another joint right now. Dude, Jada, I could should be we at... figure out if we got to stick around? I could be at a golden corral right now. Yeah, I I don't think they serve a whole lot of food at the Vanity Fair after party. So, like, you either got to go to like In and Out Burger or wait in line somewhere. Yes. The, the whole thing was bizarre, though, because, like, if it wasn't for that moment, the in memoriam would have been enough to be like, what the fuck? And I'm going to get to this more because it actually plays into one of our other segments. Uh, so I won't go too deep into it. But, like, they did this whole thing where. Like, usually it's very somber, soft music playing while they have the screenshots of the people who passed away over the last year. And they were doing, like, this, like, choir and dance number. What the fuck is this? Um, we're canceling death, Q. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I, I can't wait for the discourse to come where now this is a new version of cancel culture. Will Smith engaged in cancel culture by punching Chris Rock. You should see all the comics on Twitter. You probably have. They are all freaking the fuck out. They're like, oh my god. They're like, I don't have a strong enough jaw for this. What am I going to do? You I guys need to Segura. stop panicking and slap out of it, okay? Yeah. Just... Segura was like 
called and called. Oh. <laughs> He's like, he lost his mind. I'm like, you're a crazy person right I will, now. I will say a lot of the comedians these days are as thin-skinned as the people who they're making fun of. There's a strange, like, you can't make fun of comedians or be mad at them, like, movement going on now. Because we just tell it like it is. It's like, yeah, whoa. but your jokes are not funny and whoa, they're stupid. Whoa. whoa, whoa. You can't tell me how to do my job. You don't. How dare you tell me how to do your job? Trust I mean, me, I'm everybody tells everybody how to do their job. Going to your job and telling you how you should do it, but I'm you sure can't come have. to my job and tell me how to do it. George Carlin put it best. He said, "There are people who make jokes. There are comedians who make jokes to make people laugh, and there are comedians who make jokes who basically do things to get applause." Now we have a bunch of comedians who just stand there and rail against cancel culture, and all they want are people applauding. They're they're not telling jokes, and like I would even argue, like Dave Chappelle is one of my favorite comedians. He's doing it now. He's doing that now to where if you go back to like killing them softly, like he tells the story about the limo driver taking him into like a bad neighborhood at like 3 a.m. There's all these different stories that are ultimately so hilarious. And now he just stands on stage and is like a philosopher about life. It's so yeah, he goes from jokes about juice to now having yeah. issues about identity culture, you know. <laughs> It's so stupid, but like I, I, I think this is uh, actually kind of a nice moment to where now people realize, like, yeah, you have the freedom to say whatever you want. You can say whatever you want, but guess what? You're not free of consequences. You're free. They of always forget that part. It's like you're not going to be like persecuted by the government for what right. you say, but people will not want to be around you. Yeah, look, I, I find that it's this this cancel culture uh, comedian bit now is just it's a shit. It's a it's an absolute shtick, and it's for people who are not funny, and they have they have nothing else going on. Like they have they don't they don't have any other materials, so they just say things that people will cheer for. And it's just it's- the problem with a lot of comedians is that they got into the bit or they got into the to it because they're people pleasers in the first place, and now they're like, well, I can't please anybody, so I'm gonna make fun of not being able to please anybody to please everybody. And it yeah. doesn't... It's just ridiculous to think that, like, they're literally saying, like, I'm being persecuted, I'm being silenced, and then you see the v- the video, it has, like, two million views, and it's like... Yeah, there's... <laughs> I always laugh at, like, that Twitter comment that I saw about Joe Rogan complaining about how he's being canceled and silenced for two and a half hours, like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he said that one time, he said, like, white guys are not gonna be able to say anything anymore, and it's like, yeah. Oh, that's all we hear from. Yeah. On your four-hour fucking podcast. What <laughs> up, bro. So unoriginal. There's a lot of comedians now, and I think it has a lot to do with just... I don't think people are necessarily funny anymore. I think they're just mean. Now it's... People are not laughing as much anymore, and they're mistaking them not being funny for them being canceled. And I think they're just... There's plenty of comedians out there that are actually really, really funny. They don't need to, like, target or like speak ill of a particular population in a way that makes them feel like they're lesser than or being othered. And a lot of them are just like Tom Segura and all those goons. Like they're all Joe Rogan. I, I, I love Segura as uh, comedy specials, but he does lean into the anti like trans pronoun things way too often. He, and he I, gets into that Rogan troop. Yeah. yeah. I, I think he does it to keep in that fold that keep that base of, of people because like he's funny enough that he doesn't have to do that but he he find he does it too often but notice how Burt Kreischer doesn't do that mm-hmm. he well, doesn't like, 
you look at you look at the two of them and there are they do have very different styles right in that sense because tom's like more of a observational in his stand-ups and then bert he's on the other side of it like he's an absolute goofball who's talking about like the weird things that happen in his life and that's the perspective i mean this is the guy they made van wilder about yeah so did. like this is the perspective of like probably a grand storyteller right so it's two different styles in that sense you know because for him is that i think because his his life is so like filled with absolute insane stories that like he can he knows that i can just pull from that material and it's like you're, you're good to go but i don't get it especially because it's, it's like dave Chappelle. like going back to dave Chappelle, arguably like of this generation the funniest man and i, I just it's sad to see that like i don't know if he's like i guess it's just profitable because he made 75 mil off those three specials so he's just pumping out whatever is whatever's popular well Two things on that, too, is like, first off, there's an idea that all you need is like a thousand loyal fans, right? Yeah. If you can get people that will spend like a thousand dollars, you know, to, to hear your stuff and see that and you can you get a thousand of them, you made a million. You know what I mean? That's all it yeah. takes. Um, and then the, the, the weird thing is, too, it's like, I don't know, for the, the whole situation of what happened last night, Chris Rock is probably one of the funniest comedians in my book. Agreed. And he was flat. His jokes just stunk. I don't think it, he was doing a bit. I don't. I, I I agree with you. I don't think he was doing a set though. I think he was just doing a little crowd work to lead into doing his announcement for I, documentaries. So. I would I would make one argument about this, which is that I think what we're not hearing about is how. Obviously, this year Ricky Gervais was not there, <laughs> and don't even get me started on him. And and I think that was because they've had so many complaints about being bashed at the award shows, which is something that I feel like they have to do because this is this ultra elite group of people that are basically fucking, you know, applauding for themselves in a room like they are such fucking egomaniacs that they had to make a whole like there was a whole talk of having Zelensky who's in the middle of a fucking war. Like, have Take a time out of your day to talk to this group of actors and actresses about, like, doing shit. Yeah, because, like, you're not busy enough, and um, it's only important if we're hearing it directly from you first, right? Like, you're such do-gooders, you know, like that do-gooder attitude. They're all about, like, you know, we need to help save the world, and then Will Smith gets up and fucking slaps someone in the face. This is the guy <laughs> who played Ali. In a fucking movie, but uh, you know, uh, great movie by the way. The dissonance is amazing. The these award shows, for the most part, are gross examples of American. I just, it's just the worst part of this country that, like, you see a bunch of rich people kind of sitting around, patting themselves on the back, and all they have to do is just go up there and say, like, I support this, and they're like, yes, so brave, and it's ultimately no one, no one really cares, and like. Not to mention that they walk away. I, like, I know it's, like, pretty standard that, like, after award shows, they're given, like, a care package of stuff. Sometimes it equals out to, like, $50,000. For the richest people on Earth who don't need the money, they get, like, these... It just... It just it's, it's, it just comes off gross. Oh, Coda won Best Film? Uh, I guess we're all going to get free iPads this year. Yeah, you know, I really hope that, like, the rumors about the whole having Zelensky on wasn't just to like prop up ratings and i i always sit here and i wonder like with these fucking 
these award shows, it's like, is it is it less of a waste of time for you to just like do two and a half extra hours of commercials on television? Like, it's about the same thing at this point, you know. Like, I I, I don't get it sometimes. Does it have to be televised? Do all of them yeah. have to be televised? And I think we have like. Every other week, there is an award show about something. You know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. the, the award show for the people that drove past the studio on the weekends, ninth annual. But I mean, like the, I I have never I have never dedicated time to watch an award show like this. And frankly, like I don't know what like if we just need to know who won an award cool just like texas to us like like major league baseball awards like i'll wait for espn to announce who's silver slugger or the best actress in this movie just just drop some stats on me no but i think there's like a level of like out of touchness still that's exactly what it is even amongst this community that does do does do a lot of philanthropic things they're still kind of outside of like you know what everybody else does you know like how they live their life yeah and, and i i think it's like providing a platform to people who already have a ridiculous platform and what's funny is the televised portion they cut out the smaller awards of yep. people that are probably deserve that type of like praise and I, like you know the, they, the they get... small people you never hear yeah, of the exactly. hair and makeup the the scores you know those types of things they didn't get anything right problem is it's not it's not popular and it doesn't drive ratings so again is it about celebrating the people like they could do like a like they don't they don't even do like a live stream or like you could do like a live stream or show like the the people that um received the other people that received awards that are not as big they don't they, they get nothing even the samuel l jackson thing which was kind of an offset award like there it wasn't televised and like the only video that came out of it was like a grainy somebody shot on a iphone like, yeah well weren't you so one of the other things they did that was kind of weird was they they did this whole thing for the godfather right oh they that did. that was bizarre that was very bizarre the godfather like on a on a hip-hop playing in the background and i was like i don't what is this supposed to i don't that's, get it that's a take about like gangster and mob movies, if you've only watched gangster and mob movies after 1970, like mm. there is a whole industry in the 30s and 40s and 50s of gangster movies that are much more compelling than The Godfather. I think, if anything, like The Godfather is good. I'm not going to sit here and say that it's not, but it's also like two and a half hours long. And it's like the start of super fucking long movies that we have not been able to get our fingers out of. Again, like it, it goes back to, we have no memory beyond our lifetime. Therefore, everything that happened before doesn't exist except for the wizard of Oz, but we're missing out on all these noir films that were much more in much more innovative from a filmmaking perspective and a storytelling perspective than the Godfather was. It's um it's kind of just like the Michael Jackson of mob movies, right? It's it's like the big thriller, you know? Yeah. And that also brings me to another point. If you're vying for time, if you gotta if you if you're struggling to keep it within a time constraint like they've been talking about trying to do. Like, why are you gonna have what? How many? How many musical performances do they have? At least like three. Three why do they have musical performances at a in the filmmaking. Oh, because the first fucking time. 
because there are awards given out for like best original song and like so Billie Eilish won for the uh James Bond movie and like I think always isn't that always the case is if there's a James Bond movie that year it always it's like Jack White won one because he he just you know regurgitated on a fucking guitar for the other James Bond movie let's play seven nation army backwards yes And didn't Adele win one too? Like, yes. yeah, she had I feel like this is one that we can kind of just be like, okay, spoiler alert! Like, they won again. Here you go. Moving on. That was that was Adele. That was Adele. That yeah. did Skyfall. Yeah, and it, it is brilliant when you're talking about songs from movies, specifically for movies, which is a very small subgenre. I saw No Time to Die, and I was like, this is a good. This is a pretty good song. This is a really good Bond song. This is a bop. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a bop. So like, but, but, yeah, you could, but, you, could, but, but. you could probably like, uh, you probably could cut a lot of it. And um, there was a good, there was a cool moment though for me anyway. Pulp Fiction, my favorite movie, and they actually reunited the cast uh, together on stage. That was kind of oh, cool to get nice. yeah for Will Smith's uh, lead actor, right? Yeah, that was actually yeah that yeah. was uh that was Will Smith's award. Yeah, so <laughs> pretty pretty funny. Um, it, is he a Scientologist? Who? John Travolta? Will Smith. Oh, I don't know. I know. Travolta. I have not heard his name around the Scientology. I know he's really good friends with Tom Cruise. He mentioned God a couple times in his speech, had, so that doesn't he, make sense. But he then used again, the phrase, I want to be a vessel for love. And I was like, that sounds really Scientology. Is that a Scientology? The, the, thing, the thing is, though, is that Scientology is more reserved for um, white people who need help. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think that's kind of the only people that I ever see like really engaged in Scientology are like the Tom Cruises of the world or the Elizabeth Mosses of the world or, you know, there was John Travolta Scientologist at one point. He's huge. Yeah, he's he's like one one of the biggest. I would argue him and Tom Cruise are the biggest. So I don't know how much this is worth to anybody about anything. Um, but Maria Shriver, she's, that's uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's ex-wife, and she so is she's the daughter of one of the Kennedys, isn't she? She's related to the Kennedys somehow. Yes, because because um, this is a weird thing that happened all night long. By the way, she points out that Will Smith said he wants to be a vessel for love. Love is not violent, and if you watch some of the red carpet like pre-show stuff. There was this thing like, oh, the theme tonight is love. Like, it was kind of coached. Like, love, love, love. And then all that shit went down. Bro, got That's it. why I kind of wonder, man, how much this stuff really is staged. Like, you, uh, it doesn't... You, would, you would share that, that thing on Instagram of, of his po- last post before the show started. And it's yeah, the like... chaos. <laughs> Ready to start chaos. Like, <laughs> dude, are like... they just dropping subtle hints because, like, the the stupid part of my brain is like, this is a conspiracy. I think that's also an, another great example of saying one thing and then doing another. Yeah. So I would not lean too heavily on the fact that this is the award show about love. And then Will Smith tries to strike another person. Like it's whether it's real or fake or whatever. Uh, I think real. there is just, you know, we're going to say one thing and then like do as we say, not as we show you on the news or the, on the television. 
the LAPD actually commented on it and, and they actually had to come and talk to Chris Rock. So he declined to press charges, which I think is probably a smart move. Um, yeah, let's not make a mountain out of a molehill. Yeah. So, but like that, that alone, like you're not involved in the LAPD if it's a bit. So, you know, here's, here's something that since like 2008, they were, they had like 50 million people watching this every year. And since then it's steadily declined, like almost a million viewers every year or more. Like, I think last year it was down to like nine or 8 million viewers. Um, I bet the numbers weren't great again. And that's crazy because people are more home than they've ever been, ever. But are they watching movies though? Are I they? Mean, I'm are they more? Are they more watching television shows or scrolling on their phone or doing things that are outside of traditional films? And I was thinking this too, as you were saying it. Like attendance and viewership has gone down since 2008. But that's also where you start to see the rise in a lot more duplicate films or sequels, prequels, um, remakes of movies. And I'm wondering if the demographic that historically has watched the Oscars is not necessarily included in that. Because that's also the rise of a lot of superhero films as well and where they have basically just saturated the market of filmmaking. And those movies don't win awards historically. So that population is not going to watch them and people just move on to do something else. Can you like explain to this? Because I was looking at something, reading an article and there was something about like Twitter polls or like Twitter users pick or whatever. And it was like, they were giving out awards based on popular polls on Twitter. And Zack Snyder came home with a win based on that. Do you understand? Did you understand any of that? I was confusing. It's, it's, it's basically the, there, there are segments of people who don't feel represented in the Oscars. And a lot of it is like Marvel fans and like, you know, superhero movie fans that like, they look at it. So like the Spider-Man movie and they're like, it should be nominated for something. And it's like, well, what? And it's like, well, you know, something, something, and it was actually, I think, I think Spider-Man was like, um, co- costumes or something. They win the technical so, shit like that. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I think w- w- it was, uh, Zack Snyder's army of the dead, I think that one, which is like weird. Yes. I, yeah, I never, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even know what that was. It was I actually thought, one of the few Netflix things that got any type of, Oh, well, that's, that's right. That's what okay. I was actually mentioning. What Tom said is that people are not watching how, how, how many movies off that list of best picture would you guys say you've seen? I have to look that up. King Richard. I would say it's funny, though, because, Tom, you said people are not going to the theater as much. But what's interesting is that the movie that won is an Apple movie. And I think it was on Apple streaming platform, if I'm correct. By the way, Coda, I don't know if we've discussed this, looks really fucking good. It's got 96% yeah. rating on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm at- actually going to look into watching that probably in the next day or so. If well, you know- I, I, I would say, though, there has been a significant shift in what people consider like a cinema flick versus like what's like been on a streaming platform. And I think COVID has finally pushed that over the edge where the Academy Awards have to finally acknowledge these movies for what they are, which is actual cinema. And they're actually really good. Well, we- that, that's the thing is because, I mean, I, I know HBO Max obviously released theatrical titles onto the platform. Dune was one of the movies that was uh, put up there and King Richard, which both hit the platform right away. And then there's Coda, which was Apple. And then there was Don't Look Up, which is Netflix. 
you have a couple ones that you have a couple that were at least streaming only for a we, while. We we kind of need to keep in True. mind that one of the problems that the Academy Awards, or at least like what Hollywood might be having trouble with or navigating, is the fact that now there's an access issue, right? Yeah. Like you guys were saying, like you guys don't have Apple TV, right? Now but I do. Yeah. Now you do, but like. I, Q, you I, don't I have haven't it. found a reason to get it yet. I got it for the uh, the Coen Brothers uh, Macbeth movie, and then I was just like, I don't really see anything else I want to watch. So, but I would yeah. I would get a month for Coda just to watch it, Coda. But if you um, think about it, um, for all mankind, it's an Apple one. I can check that out too. Yep. For a lot of people with these, because it's either if you if you're really into film, you're gonna have to go out and get all these subscriptions or share these subscriptions. You're gonna have to have some sort of way in. There's there's like a level of access for this now that didn't it previously exist. Where yeah, I mean you had to go to a movie or whatnot, but like but I think maybe because of the proliferation of all these different places that you have to get it from now, or you'd have to go to get it, it's become you know where people are like, I'll just see what's on. Netflix or HBO or I do agree though with one point though Tom that like you said that you were not like people are not consuming movies as much and I think that's true I think people are more into series now I think like elevated television essentially is mm-hmm. the new thing I'd agree because it you know how much of a narrative can you build in two hours right even if it's a movie's three hours how much can you build to where with a show you have 10, 12, maybe 20 episodes to completely flesh out a story. Um, it leads to better character development. It leads to better overall story. And it's segmented. A lot of times, one, one thing I love that HBO does, obviously, compared to like Netflix, they don't put all the episodes out at once. I think there's something to watching one episode per week and not binge watching. I think binge watching is kind of a mistake, honestly. I would agree with that. Um, and I think you're right. I think people want to get more invested with characters. That's why HBO was able to have so much success with a lot of their shows that ran for a long period of time because you're able to explore a lot with these characters. I just want to go back to a comment that you made, Gatto, about I think you're on the right track, but I'm going to say something that's parallel to you. I think ultimately the financial issue with all of these streaming platforms versus going to the movies is like they'll they'll cancel each other out cuz if you go to okay. the movies let's say once a week for you go for 4 weeks in a month that's going to be what like 32 bucks and if yeah. you buy three or four of these platforms it'll end up being like 33 or 34 dollars i think the problem right now is it's like the whack-a-mole issue is that there are so many platforms out there right now and there's so much quality content that's on those now that it's like oh wow this movie's coming out it's on apple though shit i don't have that do I want to pay for it? No. Or something else like House of Gucci was on um, Amazon Prime or um, a number of other movies come out on Netflix or HBO or Apple or Disney Plus. Like that's the problem is there's just too much of it. And I think people are like, I'm just going to go with what I have. And if I don't see it this time around, I'll see it some some other time. Yeah, people aren't watching things right as they release anymore, right? I mean, ultimately, too, there is a component of, like, the algorithm, too, right? Because if you have Netflix and you keep saying, I like this kind of movie, they're only going to show you that kind of movie. So instead of, like, going to the movie theater and you only have, like, 12 options, like, oh, shit, I guess we'll go see this, and you end up liking it, you would have not done that 
if like Amazon Prime or HBO had fed it to you. Yeah, that's true. I agree. Speaking of, you mentioned House Gucci. I've never seen a movie that I want to see less than that movie. And I love, I love Ridley Scott. I love Ridley Scott. I mean, I think Donald Driver gave a decent performance too, but it was just too much going on there. Donald Driver, the wide receiver, the Green Bay Packers, isn't it? Oh yeah, yeah it's Adam was, Driver. Adam Driver. <laughs> <laughs> I do that every fucking week, man. He's I was like, Donald Driver was in that movie. I love Driver as a Packer. <laughs> um, yeah, I I don't know what it is, but like the commercials, like of Lady Gaga just going House of Gucci, I was like. I don't want to see this fucking movie. It's it's you know why this is I didn't fuck- know it was her for the first 15 fucking minutes. By really? the way. <laughs> I was like, who is this? She she seems very like New York. I don't know what's going on here. Like apparently oh Jared Leto is like, it's a me, a Jared Leto. Boof. <laughs> <laughs> why Ooh. you talk to me like that? I feel like in some cases, like they cartoonized some of the characters in that movie. To make them like more ridiculous, it's one of the few stereotypes you can still play out. Is the Italian fucking stereotype? Yeah. No, yeah, who gives a shit? <laughs> can, I, can I say something about Jared Leto for a second? Because he's good because he's part of my pick. Oh, okay, interesting. Because he he's an interesting guy because he won the Academy Award a couple of years back for Dallas Buyers Club, and ever since he seems like he's box office poison. Um, because. The House of Gucci thing, he he like I don't think House of Gucci won anything. I don't think it did it did it do well? I don't even know. I think it did okay. I don't think it did wonderfully though. It had but mentions. He, I think he won a Razzie for worst performance, worst supporting actor. Um then there's the Morbius, he's doing the superhero movie, oh, and God. like the early reviews are like horrendous. So like he's just been on a real downward spiral lately. So also yes. very, oh, not to mention the Joker. When he played the Joker. <laughs> I think he is a the thing is though is that Jared Leto has always been a very niche actor and he did very well in very hyper specific films. Like he was great as Steve Prefontaine. He was great in Requiem for a Dream. Yes. Um, he was a good villain in Panic Room. And there's like a handful uh he was in the the movie about uh the the guy who Lord of War. That, but also the guy who um, killed John Lennon, he was in that as well. But like the, the the prosthetics and all that are just so weird. By the way, Panic Room, heavily underrated movie, really good dynamite film. Yeah. Um, but I think he was much better as kind of like an under the radar person who would surprise you rather than you come into a film like expecting a lot and he disappoints. Like I don't, I don't think he is a a natural actor. I think Isn't he, he a method actor? That's well, which is yeah. horrifying because that means he was probably spending a shitload of time getting and ready for I, the Joker, and that's horrifying. He strikes me as the t- yeah. Apparently, he would like send people like dead mouses to their home. send people oh, bullets and shit yeah, as like trying to get into Joker. He strikes me as the guy who claims he's method acting, but he's just being a dick. That's yeah. kind of fun though. That's kind like, of really. Christian Bale's a method actor. Like, if you ever seen The Machinist. He weighs like 95 pounds in that movie. And he's yes. like, that's method. But did Jared Leto come up as a musician or an actor? Musician. Yeah. So I'm Dude, wondering if he found the way to make that transition. To Mars. Yeah. I think, I think it's that. But what was the what was the chicken or the egg? Which which one was it? Was it the 
I mean, he just probably just wanted to be an entertainer. He didn't care how. And now he just wants to get paid. He moved to L.A. to pursue a career in directing, intending to take acting roles on the side. Yeah, okay. Okay. So all that to be said, like, he's been in some good movies. I'm on his Wikipedia page right now. Like, Fight Club, he was in that. American Psycho. Bid part. I mean. Yeah. Uh, Requiem for a Dream, Panic Room, Lord of War, uh, Chapter 27, which was the one I referred to. Dallas Buyers Club is really where he came out and crushed it. Um, don't talk about his reach- recent stuff. Blade Runner. I honestly don't even remember pick. Blade Runner. Blade Runner was awesome. I read something weird about how Blade Runner 2049 has become the like biggest fucking streaming like it's, uh, it's... film on the internet or something or on Netflix hmm. today. Yeah, like it did so bad, it did like as bad as it could possibly do. Which is and so now weird. it's doing amazing. Which is so weird because it's it was obviously Blade Runner the original Ray Scott. It's a it's a classic. And then it's Dennis Villanueva who did the new one. I mean, one of the most accomplished directors. Uh, just surprised. It, it, I don't think it did very well, but it, it's a. I, I I love it personally. It's a weird like buyer's psychology if you think about it. It's like I'm not willing to go out of my way to spend money for this, but I will. I am interested enough that I'll wait for it. You know what I mean? There's there's like a cost benefit analysis that I think viewers put into a lot of things. Like you wanted to go see Batman right away. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen with a lot of things, you know, especially that, remakes. We're, that, we've seen so many fucking remakes. We even had an episode about getting tired of remakes. I'm so glad you said that because honestly, I I see a lot of criticism uh, from people who are talking about like, oh, now all, like all anybody wants to see in the theaters are superhero movies. And I don't think that's a I don't think that's an attention span issue or like a real tell of our society i think it's a matter of people see how expensive it is to go to the movie theater now it's literally 20 dollars for like a ticket and then if you want to get a drink and a popcorn you have to take out a second mortgage at chase and like you know actually get a get a small business loan um i'm not going to do that unless it's for a movie that i need to see in the theaters either a movie that i need to see now or a movie that is going to be better on a big screen in like an IMAX, right? Which happened to be, for the most part, superhero movies. Or well, you know. those mo- those movies just are gonna do. Be- they're they're directed or they're made with the effects in mind, and right. you're not gonna get the same experience if you're sitting at home watching them as you would in theater. So it makes right. sense to go there for that. I saw Endgame in a yes. theater in Berlin. And it was the biggest screen. It was like an experimental theater. It was the biggest screen, I think, one of the biggest screens in Europe or something. Like an IMAX theater, right? Yeah, it was an IMAX. It was huge. Uh, I'll look up the details on this specific theater. We were going to, we had like two days in Berlin that we were just, you know, going to go around, check out everything. And the rest of that day was ruined. We were just like, he was like devastated because like it all came to an end. I was just like, my eardrums were still popping because like of all the fucking special effects. So we like ended up ruining our day because we went to go see this fucking matinee of Endgame when it came out. Was that 4D? No. I don't don't care for the 4D. I saw uh, No Time to Die, the Bond movie. Um and I, I randomly ended up in a 4D theater, and I was like, the seat kept like jarring all over the place. I'm like, I don't, I don't need this. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm good on that. 
it's I went to go see Tomb Raider in 4D. And yeah, you know, there's like one scene that's like they're on the boat, so it feels like you're rocking. But there's so much that gets uh, diminished in the experience because the fans are still really fucking loud. So they have these fans misting you with with water, you know, to mimic the whole thing on the boat. And, um, you know, like it distracts you from what's going on in the movie. I wouldn't mind if it was just the motion for that scene. That was actually kind of a good scene for that use. But it was actually funny because there's this one part where she's least expecting it and she gets like hit from behind. And you know how they have the, um, the different like pedals in the seat. Yeah. And the one in the middle thuds you really fucking hard. And some <laughs> lady fucking jumped in front of me, like screamed, <laughs> jumped up and everyone freaked out in the fucking theater. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was good timing on that one. I have to say yeah I, I, that I don't lady think... was me that lady was me yeah <laughs> <laughs> I, don't, I don't i don't i never understood that uh that craze like i i don't need the mist getting in my face and it's like and that mist like has a weird smell to it too yeah it's like sitting in a tube for too long like you know stale water kind of just yeah sometimes they're like oh perfume and stuff like i don't want that blowing into my like what if i have a reaction to that <laughs> it's like oh it may contain peanuts like <laughs> it's like you shouldn't have came to see dumbo in 4d buddy who would go see that in 4d who's like i need to go next week to see dumbo in 4d i mean i would love to know what it feels like to be a flying elephant but like that—that's the—that's the thing, right? Is like, why would you go to the theater for that? Like, there's a movie that I'm—I'm I'm dying to see. It's called "The Worst Person in the World." It was a uh, uh, nominated. Mostly based on my life, yes. Yeah. Um, it's like a—it's a—it's like a, apparently it's—it's it's supposed to be this like really good like romantic comedy, but like actually like with layers to it, not like you know an old Matthew McConaughey movie from the two thousands. Um and. But, like, the reality is, like, I'm not going to the theater to see that. I'm going to go see Dune in the theaters. Yeah. You know? Like, that's what I want to see in the movie theaters. Like, I don't know. Yeah, I want to I wanna go see that in 4D and get sand thrown in my face as I'm watching. Yeah, exactly. I want to <laughs> get eaten by one of those big worms. Like, <laughs> I watched Dune over the weekend again, and I was so like, good. yes, I can confirm this movie is really good. It's so fucking good. I was thinking about this the other day, though, and I don't mean to divert us completely off track, but I feel like the 90s had a great stretch of movies that were just really good. Like, I was thinking about The Fugitive, Speed. Speed fucking ass. Like, movies like Broken Arrow. Yeah. And there were a number of movies that were just, like, mystery or thriller or suspense movies that were, like, double as action films that were just awesome like air force one movies like that don't come out anymore off my I, I mean turn off my playing <laughs> i would say i think i think some stuff have has developed better i think we get some better scripts these days in terms of like dialogue because i don't disagree look back with you on, on that. some of those 90s movies and i'm just like i'm like holy shit we grew up in the worst like james bond time right like yeah, the, well, the I mean, the, stuff, the adult oh, James just, Bond I, now is I, amazing, I, like I, Pierce I Bronson. No, have you ever like listened to some of those scripts? And then even like things like Speed. I mean, it's a great, it's a great movie with a great concept. They were more original with some of that stuff then, 
but the writings of some of that stuff, they always had these like hokey one-liners by extras that I'm like, this doesn't add to this fucking Wait, are you cinematic. The, are you saying the new James Bond movies are better or the old ones are better? New ones are better. Oh, okay, okay. I just heard you then. What okay. I mean, because I'm about to say the Pierce Brosnan one stuck so bad. Yeah, yeah, they sucked Gold, really Gold bad. Too. But yeah, yeah they're right though. Um, you're missing. You you forgot the best one though. The fucking Rock. I was thinking about that rock, one. Like that was the nice rock, like Jerry Brockheimer like stretch of time where he was actually putting out really good movies. Like Bad Boys was in there too. Yeah. Uh, and Enemy of the State, Face Off. There were a number of like good movies in that stretch. Terminator. Those were Terminator. Bruckheimer's I think Terminator years, 2 was like they? was Terminator 2 early 90s or was it late 80s? Like uh 91, 92. Okay. But all that to be said, like I feel like a lot of those movies did not have a heavy emphasis on special effects versus all of the movies now. 100%. Where like you sh- you watch a movie like Olympus has fallen and it's like this is tacky as hell because the CGI is terrible. You wouldn't have that problem if it was insular. I mean, you got to think about technology in general, though, back then. I mean, in the 90s, we still, I mean, watch anything that was directly related around, like, like computers. Like, it was hokey shit, man. Computers still hadn't really developed. I mean, we were still working with fucking cable modems and, and AOL online in the 90s. The thing is, though, is that they knew it, so they didn't do it a whole lot. Like, any kind of CGI was very, very limited and it was short, like short and span. There's like actually now a lot of like CGI work is outsourced to other countries and they could pay people less to make it. There's and, a few reasons they do that. Yeah. I, there's a, I don't remember who was talking about it a couple a couple months ago, but um, just looking at some of the CGI that's done for films now and the quality is not as good. Because there's so much of it, and also they outsource it to other places. Well, that, that's the other thing is there's like way less pyrotechnics than mm-hmm. there used to be, and that's very expensive on a budget. So you you knew you only had like one or two takes on blowing this thing up, so you, you know had what, to get it fucking right. <laughs> you know what though? I would say though is that the although the 2000s were not great for like action movies, more action thrillers. Yeah, we're pretty good. Like Eastern Promises, and there's um, History of Violence, which mm-hmm. was fucking awesome. Um, so I think uh, R.I.P. to William Hurt. Um, those are those are the, some of the movies that kind of like took over. They kind of changed the genre a little bit, but like, yeah, they don't they don't hit the same anymore. No, they don't. I was just thinking the other day of like, man, I really liked The Fugitive and Fugitive Two. Like those movies were great. Wait, there's a, there's a Fugitive 2? With Wesley Snipes. Get out of here. It's called U.S. Marshals, but it's basically the second movie. <laughs> there's, there's a... I, will, I will say, though, like the Mission Impossible movies still slap. Those yeah. Are they, haven't, they haven't faltered. No. They haven't. It's, that's no. like Tom Cruise. I could give him a one-up on that one. They've gotten better, though, because the original is actually not that great. Second it's... one, I don't, I don't remember anything about the second one. I didn't. I didn't like the second one because I thought it was too artsy. For well, the part three with fucking J.J. Abrams, Philip Seymour Hoffman. That, that one. was good. Is that is that the one where Metallica made like the fucking stupid like theme song? Like that was the now second I one. disappear, <laughs> and he's like, and and it's just scenes of like um, Tom Cruise hanging off the side of like a fucking uh, yeah, he's like, hanging on the mountain. Like, yeah, 
he's riding like a motorcycle and he's just like like hanging. Yeah. That was that was like that movie was made just to remind everyone that Tom Cruise does all his own stunts. The thing is though, is there's a big fight scene at the end of that movie and it goes on for like twenty minutes. Nobody can fight that long. (laughs) No one can fight to this level of like skill and I just remember my dad was like I just remember my dad was watching, I was like and he was saying like this could not happen. Like these people would be so exhausted after four or five minutes, they would just lay on the ground. That fight show in uh, the most recent one with uh what's his name, the guy who played Superman, uh I know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the dude who plays Superman when he like cocks his arm like a shotgun and yep. comes at him, like that was fucking insane. Yeah, he literally like <laughs> shotgun cocks his arms and it's like I'll tell you what, if anyone ever fucking does that to me in a fight, I'm gonna laugh at them. Even if they knock me out, I'm just gonna <laughs> laugh. I'm like, really? <laughs> really? You're packing that much punch, huh? Fistful of boomstick here, huh? All right. I mean he's fucking Superman though. I mean, like, come on. You know what movie really sucked in the '90s? Fucking Judge Dredd. You just need—that's the kind of movie you need to get into it. But, well, because you know what though, it, it's like they came out with one in the like late, I think like 2010, called just Dread. Yeah, and it fucking kicked ass. And like because Stallone is such a like a fucking egomaniac, like he's like, no, I'm not wearing the mask. They gotta see my fucking face. But, <laughs> wow. I feel, I feel like. Um... Stallone had kind of a weird couple of years where he was trying to make these like super futuristic dystopian films like Demolition, Demolition Man, Man yeah. and then Judge Dredd. And they were both pretty awful. I know we had this really long conversation about how great the movies were in the 90s. We're going to exclude these two. We, we, uh, we found uh, the needles in the haystack, right? Yeah. yeah, Sandra Bullock has asked for her memory to be wiped, so she has no memory of that movie. Referring She's in to that other Demolition movie. Man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, um, yeah. Johnny Nielsen probably did the same for Judge Dredd too. Yeah, true. That's a brand of justice I just don't want. Speaking of people taking the law into their own hands. There was some information that came out about Ginny Thomas, who is the wife of longtime Supreme Court Judge Clarence Thomas. And turns out that Ginny is uh, a little bit more bought into QAnon than she probably should be. So, guys, have you heard anything about this yet? If not, I can provide some greater context. I've always known that she's been like a very loyal QAnon member, but like, the fact that, like, she's literally... I, I don't remember Mark Meadows' position where he was the chief of staff, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, she was texting him, like, QAnon conspiracy theories about, like... I think I think we were talking about this earlier. What was the, like, marked ballots or something? Yes. So, to be specific, I'll go ahead and I'm... They were watermarked, right? Yes. I'm going to read a couple of the text messages that Ginny Thomas had sent to Mark Meadows... So this is a I'm reading this off of CNN and this is one of the text messages and I'm reading one of the passages here. Thomas wrote to Meadows that she was angry with then Vice President Mike Pence for not taking the steps necessary to block the certification of the election results. Quote, we are living through what feels like the end of America. Most of us are disgusted with the VP and are in a listening mode to see where to fight with our teams. 
Those who attack the Capitol are not representative of the great teams of Patriots or DJT, Donald J. Trump. Amazing times. Who is that? The end of liberty. Bear with me, folks. This is what she sent. Watermarked ballots in over 12 states have been part of a huge Trump and military white hat sting operation in 12 key battleground states. So the Biden crime family and ballot fraud co-conspirators like elected officials, bureaucrats, social media censorship mongers, fake stream media, and et cetera, are being arrested and detained for ballot fraud right now and over the coming days and will be living in barges off Gitmo to face military tribunals for sedition. And then she added, I hope this is true. God. And – these go on and on and on, and we can probably link some articles in here. I was hoping that we get like the raw text messages, but Clarence Thomas is a Supreme Court judge, and it just so happens that the Supreme Court has and is currently um, reviewing documents and things of that related to the January 6th riots that happened at the white house and the potential for the election being overturned and to see a supreme court justice's spouse involved in the january 6th riot she was there on the ground communicating with the trump white house basically regurgitating all of the deepest darkest worst parts of the QAnon conspiracy what do we think about this it's pretty typical of the times um, that literally somebody who is married to a Supreme Court justice, one of the highest, uh, the highest court in the land, is spouting the same crazy Reddit 4chan conspiracy theories as some dude in his basement. It's definitely the timeline we deserve. Agreed. Uh, Dick Durbin, who is head of the Senate Judiciary Chair, he basically has called on Clarence Thomas to recuse himself from any um, any January 6th um cases that come through the Supreme Court. I agree. By the way, I was on the treadmill at the gym, and of course, Fox News was right in, my, in front of my face, so I, I was actually kind of getting a look through the looking glass. Carl Rove, of all people, was actually saying the same thing, that he should recuse himself. I think he should step down. I First, would agree. There's technically no precedence Apparently, like anybody below the Supreme Court would have to recuse themselves in this situation. However, the Supreme Court is the only court that is exempt from those laws. That's amazing. They don't have to follow those same ethical standards. It's pretty. He's done that before, though. He's he's had to do that before. But how is like that is insane, though. It just goes to show how insane this country is, though. That you have the highest court. These are the people who are like the last stop before like something is either declared like legal or not right and like they don't have to follow the same rules that everybody else does it's just well i mean i think the part that bothers me the most is that clarence thomas never disclosed that his wife had sent any of those text messages to mark meadows and never disclosed that she was present at a event where despite what members of the conservative media think the people who were there were actually there to kill somebody and I think that's pretty obvious by the the numbers of individuals who were there armed with um, zip ties. And oh, yeah, by the way, somebody built a gallows. I'm having a really hard time, like, having any sense of faith in our Supreme Court, especially because nobody is 
including the chief justice, John Roberts, is putting any kind of pressure on Clarence Thomas to either ultimately resign his position or at least like recuse himself from all of the the cases that are related to the January 6th riot. Yeah, Tom, you make a great point that they were going there to commit violence. And Mm -hmm. I think a great question that is never asked of these people is, okay, you were going there to have your voices heard, right? And you wanted Mike Pence to stop the election. So you were going to storm the Capitol to stop the proceedings from happening. So now let's imagine a scenario where they got in there and they weren't able to get all of the members of the Senate out first, right? Mike Pence very calmly tells you, I don't have the constitutional authority to do that. What would you have done next? What was the next step? You were just going to go, oh, guys, oh, see, oh, he said he can't do it. So it's time to go. What's a, what's a, let's go to Denny's, you know? No, they were going to, they were going to force him, whether by violence or threats of violence. And like, yeah, we, we all saw the guys in tactical gear with zip ties and everything like that. So let's not pretend like they were going there to have like a, a, a structured debate. No, they were going there to intimidate. It's, and I, and I find it incredibly interesting that it's just contrasted against um, the most recent Supreme Court nominees grilling that she had to take while she was testifying. And I'm speaking to Kentanji Jackson or Kentanji Brown Jackson, who had to answer some really just stupid questions from the the leading candidate of the Brain Dead Party in Tom Cotton, his funny runner-up in Ted Cruz. Um, and a number of other people, particularly Lindsey Graham, asking on a scale of one to ten, how much do you believe in your faith or something to that effect? I thought this was a country of separation of church and state. Hey, Tom, do you think babies are racist? That was another one. And that's just a strange question to ask. What a fucking putz Rafael Cruz is. Also known as- <laughs> This motherfucker, right after they caught him on camera, right after he did his line of questioning, checking his mentions on Twitter. Yes, it like we had did it all for the gram, bro. Yeah, we had people in the Senate who or in, in, in the House who are just like trying to get that dopamine kick from getting you got ten thousand likes, bro. Sick burn. Yeah. I know that um babies are racist. Hashtag <laughs> hashtag racist babies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know that Bill Maher had talked about this on his show, but I, I I do think there is a level of narcissism that comes with a lot of these um Senate investigative committees or House investigative committees or even just the com- the standing committees that they have where anything that's televised immediately becomes polarized. And ultimately you have to wonder if filming these things is actually beneficial for America or it just makes it worse because there's always some crackpot who gets onto these committees or who is involved in these meetings and they just completely co-opt the entire thing and ends up being their show for four and a half hours where nothing actually gets done. And it's just, I don't really care how this ends. I just want to state all of the things I want to air all my grievances on television. So everybody knows. And so the base gets their little boost. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it has become um, it has become so populous now that it, it literally is people don't seem to care about 
real situations. It's all about getting that burn, man. It's all about owning the libs or, you know, owning the conservatives. And, like, people... I, the problem is we've monopolized... Excuse me, monopolized would be the wrong word. Monetized uh, political activism to where now you can just be a standard person on Twitter who gets 30,000 followers and your brand is being really anti-Trump. Um, or your brand is being really anti, you know, Biden, Obama. And it's like, like, I would argue Candace Owens, for example. I don't think she has a ethical bone in her body. Um, she, she actually ran a blog before the 2016 election um, trashing Trump. And then all of a sudden, magically, he gets elected. And next thing you know, she's working for the Koch brothers. And all of a sudden, she loves Trump. It, it it just screams to me that people now have figured out a way to monetize activism, and you're seeing you're seeing this in full force. That now politicians are actually that too. And I would argue, like Marjorie Taylor Greene is another example of a person who pretty much found a grift and got her way into Congress over it. Yeah, her and Lauren Bober and uh, Madison Cawthorn, people who don't actually serve on committees or actually do anything, or suggest or co-sponsor meaningful legislation that will actually do something it's more so like performative shit that they know is not going to pass but they can get that like that they can get that kind of like they didn't pass it they must not be americans bullshit that happens with all of these guys i i just feel like I was misled my entire life because we put so much prestige in these positions in our federal government and they're just all fucking morons filling them constantly fucking oh they're just so fucking dumb you know what there's a kind of an ego boost to that because being able to see through the through the trees to the forest that feels good and i understand why we like to have fucking idiots atop our federal government the problem being is that we have idiots now at the top of our federal government and nothing ever gets fucking done because of it. And you know what the craziest thing is? The bar is set so low. Like, Ron DeSantis, but he did one thing really fucking good that is going to catapult him into the presidency next year. And that's that he signed a law to make a financial literacy class for all of Florida public schools. You're going to have to learn how to balance a checkbook and do all these things, which is something that we discussed probably in high school. In fact, yep. I'm pretty sure we were sitting in someone's garage, lighting up a blunt, saying, you know what they should have taught us? Wow, I felt very Mar just now. <laughs> <laughs> but He also gave uh, public school teachers a raise, too. Yeah, and like, look at the bare fucking minimum this, this guy has to do, because that's how fucking stupid our fucking the people we elect in government are that something so simple and easy as these things are going to be enough to skyrocket him into the next step. You know, and, and next step. This, is, this is why I've argued that Democrats don't understand the moment that they're in because they are, they think that austerity is going to be their way to win. That's a government idea across the board. Both sides think austerity does the job, but they don't realize that populism has good components to it. Trump brand of, of populism does have some attractive features because it will lead to certain things like that, where you see like what DeSantis is doing in Florida. But overall, the like 
structure of it is really right wing nationalism. So you're getting you're you're getting people kind of buying in because they don't look that deep past the surface level. And that's why Democrats have to understand that the moment that they're in and realize, like, you've got to stop trying to balance the budget. No one's balancing the budget. We're not doing that. Well, I do want to just pump the brakes on my minor praise of DeSantis, because one step forward, two steps back. You know, now he thinks he's actually going to take down Disney. (laughs) He's going to Disney. And I'm like, do you not know who actually runs this country? It is the fucking corporations. The only reason you're elected is because of the corporations. This corporation's been paying for your fucking commercials, idiot. And he goes and he's he tries to he tries to pawn it he tries to spin it, but he goes this company will not fare well against me. Remember that they they're they're soft on the People's Republic of China. He does a spinoff and he's right, but he doesn't remember that like he still this you don't bite the hand that feeds you and you're gonna need those fucking campaign contributions, buddy. Well, that's the big uh, controversy with uh, with Disney in general because they are, you know, contributing to a lot of the people who signed and co and co you know co signed the don't don't say gay bill. They their response was real shit, real. Oh, shit. Yeah, it was pretty it was really bad. Fucking stupid. I'm just sitting there like, how can you like? I mean, like, who's the previous CEO? Gotta Bob Iger, and now it's something. Bob Bobby Bob Bar- Burke Bob, or something. Bob Fuckface or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's another uh, Bob. I feel like Iger would not allow that to happen, or at least he would have put a better spin on it. At least. Yeah, he probably would have figured. Well, he's still running in some capacity as he's not. He he's retired as the CEO, but he's still helping the current board. It's it's just funny to me that like DeSantis thinks that he can defeat disney i'm like you are not changing the hearts and minds of no disney adults that ain't happening bro no the one thing that they don't understand is that ron i'm sure you're doing you're getting a nice fundraising bump right now i'm sure that's all hunky dory disney's worth 252 billion dollars as a company yep like i think that's just cash on hand so i i don't think that's a war worth fighting for him because ultimately like the Disney adults are going to they're going to follow the leader. They're going to follow the mouse and not the second mouse, the one that's important. Two mice. Two mice. But I, 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 I just wanted to bring that up because it's just really funny though because here here he is. He does the one thing which gets you going and then he just goes and he backpedals in the dumbest way possible because certain parts of his politics are for sale where his base isn't. Yeah. Again, I think there's a growing assumption that the Walt Disney Company will kowtow to um, Ron DeSantis. But in reality, this is also the same thing that brings in a bulk of the tourism to Florida and brings a ton of money into Florida. I don't think that we need to like be mindful of what corporations say because I don't like corporate activism because I think it's weird. But let's call that spade a spade, Tom. Let's call a spade a small shovel. Um, and just be real clear that Ron, you're the governor of Florida going up against Disney. Dude. You're gonna get your ass beat by Pinocchio. It's yeah, it's like if we're taking odds here, like who who's gonna win this one? It's like, dude, you're about to make fucking florida liberal again that's what you're about to do because they're just going to contribute to 
to get you out of office or to to fuck your campaign up and they got the resources they got everything they got the media <laughs> yeah i find it funny it's almost like when trump with cnn that whole beef he had with cnn and it's like dude you're the fucking president why do you give a shit about what wolf blitzer is saying on fucking cnn like focus on something else man focus your energy somewhere else i would love to see disney say oh you want to talk tough? We're just going to go buy Fox because it's still in a, it's still in some sort of agreement contract because that's what they always do. <laughs> so they just totally buy Fox News and just run like old Disney show, Disney Channel shows like fucking iCarly or something. On Dude, that. they could just clear house and be like, we are going to be Fox, the very liberal news network. Yeah, like... the Fox and the Hound <laughs> Channel. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> and here's Goofy with today's fucking. They, if, if Fox News just ran Animaniacs for 24 hours a day, I don't think there would be any difference in like viewership, though. Oh, that was Spielberg's crowning achievements. <laughs> Do you think that like there would be like a QAnon cult for Animaniacs after that? Like they're gonna deliver us from the evil deep state. They would definitely Wait, treat like... them like tea leaves, and they'd be like, "Oh, the messages in the episode." <laughs> You see, Animaniacs have, has the real history of this country. It's like, yeah, because that duck and that rabbit were the ones that like raised the flag on Iwo Jima. The, the like, Animaniacs, oh, they look like they're wearing Guy Fox masks. There's this Bug Bunny character. When he drops the anvil, that means that the deep state is scared. They're scared. Well, Disney's just going to have to buy Reddit then. Q will have nowhere to go. QAnon, not Q. <laughs> Neither <laughs> yeah, will. Hey, thank you for making that distinction, by the way. Of course. <laughs> Yeah, for anybody who's listening, if you don't realize, we are slowly but surely transitioning into a QAnon podcast. We will just be exclusively talking about QAnon. Uh, it's QAnon. Hosted by Ginny Thomas. <laughs> Our first host, welcome Ginny Thomas. And then we got Milo Yiannopoulos coming on after. And then uh, Ron Watkins, thank you. Do you all know how, when he was um, invited to Congress to speak? Did you all oh hear about yeah, this? I saw that. I so it was in it was in the what? documentary, wasn't it? Um, I don't they had a little no, they had I a little th- bit about it. I, I I don't remember, but I remember watching a congressional hearing on Dominion um, voting machines, and one of the right wing loons invited him as like an expert witness. And Ron Watkins says he knows how the Dominion voting machine works and how to manipulate it. (laughs) Somebody asked him, like, are you an expert? And he said, no, I just read the user manual. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I heard a great episode for uh, Q Anonymous. uh, Yeah. They they covered the um, Mike Lindell cyber symposium in which they had uh, Ron Watkins as a guest. And it's funny because, like, these people are talking about that they've uncovered the biggest election scam in the history of this country. And, like, they broke down the numbers and they, like, were able to find the metadata. And they couldn't even get Ron Watkins' mic working. They couldn't even get him (laughs) to the point where, like, can you hear us? He goes, I'm not hearing you guys. I'm not hearing. Like, they couldn't even get that going. And these are the fucking cyber ninjas. Come on. Get out of here. Well, clearly it's always been their Achilles heel because otherwise they would just own the mainstream media, right? And we wouldn't have this problem. Yeah. Mostly. They don't know how to work the mics. That's that's clearly it. If Mike <laughs> Lindell is a spy or any kind of like 
counter espionage expert. I'm very concerned for this country. <laughs> it, it's he's he's an interesting guy, man. You know he why? Is such a strange dude. He, I believe he he's not do he's spending so much money on all of this that I actually he's a true believer. I don't think he's doing this for like pillow sales or anything. Mm-hmm. That I actually really believe that he actually is buying what he's selling, dude. One day we're just gonna get like an alert. The reason Mike Lindell is so batshit crazy is something they're using to fluff the my pillows with. It's fucking it's like a chemical. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> His pillows contain like high levels of arsenic that can be inhaled or something. The deep state media doesn't want to tell it. Wants to tell you there's arsenic in these pillows. <laughs> it's got rejuvenating qualities. God, I hope he hears it first from us. That would help us so much. All of that... the pillows have been sprayed with formaldehyde to keep them like white and plush. I, and listen, I, this is my own personal opinion. This is not a, a fact, but those pillows are terrible. Viewers out there, if you have a my pillow, can you please tell us your experience oh, with my pillow? Yeah. Please go to our Instagram page, our Twitter page, like and follow, and let us know how well you sleep at night with that thing under your head. We would we would love to hear from you. And oh. tag the podcast in a picture of your pillow. Yes, please. Yes. Please. Yeah, but I, I agree. I for lack of a better term, he is fully pilled. I would not be shocked within like three or four <laughs> years. He is completely broke and the my pillow empire goes bankrupt because he's spent all of this money on somebody who basically sent him an email that went to his spam account and he's like funneling money to this person. The the thing the thing about this guy is that he literally like considering he invented a pillow, he looks like he's never had a fucking good sleep in his life and he's losing his mind. Speaking of the did you guys did you guys did you hear the story? I heard this on Facebook. Uh, I think well, I think Will Summer was talking about it. By the way, Will Summer is back on Fever. He's back. I'm so happy. He told. Did you guys hear the story about Mike Lindell getting attacked at one of those rallies? No. Okay. So this is an amazing story because he kept claiming that a left wing Antifa member attacked him at a hotel. Naturally. And they kept trying to like probe him of like. What what are you what are you talking about? Like what like you you look fine? Like what happened? Can you like give us some more details? And he kept saying that like it was Antifa, it was Antifa. Finally, he un- he provided details, and he said that someone shook his hand, <laughs> and when his hand got sh- like he felt like lightning bolts go through his body, and he said, "I have to get out of here." So he was saying that like he was like poisoned or electroshocked or something and it was just some guy shaking his head <laughs> I, I, I just saw a headline here it just says Mike Lindell says man who attacked him in Sioux Falls was an aggressive selfie seeker <laughs> Mike Lindell did not realize that he was having a mini stroke and I think that's the problem that we need to talk about like you know I don't want anything bad to happen to him, but like, no. my man, you need to go to the doctor and look no. into that. In, in fact, I hope he's around for a long time because he's fucking hilarious. It's great content. It's great yeah. content. Incredible. He's he's a bit of an asshole. That kind of naturally leads into the progression of asshole of the week. Does anyone want to begin? I have a small one, so I can start. Um, 
it's whoever number one i i kind of touched upon the in memoriam for the oscars and i'm just gonna slightly go back there for a moment because the in memoriam forgot a couple people and i don't I, so my asshole of the week is whoever put that in memoriam together shouldn't be dancing and like choirs and all that that it just seemed really kind of disrespectful but then they also forgot um bob saget they forgot ed asner and norm mcdonald and like there's usually admissions every every time but like just seemed kind of glaring this year so it's it's almost like they were like we got to figure out how to shave seven seconds off this yeah. show that's going to go three hours over what what do we do you're telling me like is there somebody just writing this on like a applebee's napkin and like handing it in because like it's i could see them parsing out like like bob saget was not really an actor per se he was more of a comedian i can like relax my eyes and kind of understand that but ed asner is a very famous actor and i'm not saying that bob saget is not a famous comedian but i think if they're like trying to div- divvy that up like ed asner wasn't he in up i believe so yeah. he was a voice in up which made a ton of money i mean and also like again you know you go back even to like the mary tyler moore show which was like the 70s i mean the guy's been around forever and like I, even if like maybe he's not conventionally a film star and he was more of a tv star I don't see the reason why you wouldn't include him. And like Norm Macdonald, I mean, yeah, he's a comedian, but he Norm Macdonald did plenty of movies. So like, why wouldn't you just? I I don't see the reason why you wouldn't just include include them. Is there any criteria for you to be part of the Academy at all? It's not like the SAG Awards where you actually have to be a in the Screen Actors Guild. Don't know, but um, I do. Like for Ed Asner, yeah, he was in Up. He was in Elf. Um, so he, you know, he's been in, I think he's, he's been, been in, in enough, yeah. like he should qualify or at least get some kind of recognition. He's a for, he was a former act. He was a former president of the screen actor guild. You know, we should blame Will Smith for this because they probably cut him and others out because Will needed to get all handsy. Yeah. I, I don't know. Repressed for time. <laughs> <laughs> they seem like they, they don't mind shaving off like time for like the stupidest things but like ultimately they don't mind letting will smith talk about he's a vessel for love for seven minutes just <laughs> he's After... a vessel for love but his hand is a vessel for pain yeah exactly so yeah whoever uh set the in memoriam you're an asshole so that's my piece so my asshole of the week is none other than senator lindsey graham solely for the line of questioning in the Supreme Court nomination hearings for Kentanji Jackson Brown. And it's just specifically the questions he asked regarding her faith and how faithful she was asking her to put it on a scale of one to 10. I just find it incredibly bothersome that we are still a country that hinges a lot on like somebody's religious like leaning or their faith when in reality there is very clear guidelines in the bill of rights that says there needs to be a separation of church and state. And it bothers me that this is a question to be asked and that we are also picking Supreme court nominees like Amy Coney Barrett, who is wildly underqualified 
However, she's a she's a woman of faith, so she's got to be cool. Um, <laughs> but he's just a dick. I mean, true form asshole shit. I got nothing else to say. It's embarrassing how some of these GOP senators have really gone to the absolute lowest levels of questioning somebody who is, quite frankly, more qualified than most of the people on Supreme Court. And also the only public defender who will serve on the Supreme Court. Like, you're going to tell this person that they are, like, lesser than? It's just because they don't, like, read the Bible every day like apparently Lindsay does. I just It's stupid. He's a fucking asshole. It's, um, it's funny because this goes to something that I think I've – I've alluded to a few times we've covered in other discussions for sure is this kind of like credibility hacking trick. Yeah. Um, and it's not always just this, but this is one that, that, that is used by a lot of fucking people out there. They just go into using some form of like, Oh, it's a person of faith that makes them a just and righteous leader. One can also make the argument, though, is just because you're religious, and I know that you were just saying this, just because you're religious doesn't make you good. I got okay. it. <laughs> who's, your, uh, who's your asshole of the week? Uh, so my asshole of the week is this ex-GOP governor candidate that he's still pretty active on the interwebs. It goes kind of along with tom's asshole of the week with Lindsay because when they were doing their questioning the republicans are doing their questioning one of the other questions that came out was the fucking stupid shit about questioning uh katanji brown jackson she didn't want to answer questions related to gender and transgender issues and this guy he went on twitter and he was like this is actually the the quote the exact quote here some of y'all still want to try and find political compromise with those that want to groom our school-age children and pretend men are women, etc. I think they need to be lined up against a wall before a firing squad to be sent to an early judgment. Serious asshole vibes. Well, South Carolina now has firing squad again, so... I heard about that. The, the, the stars are aligning for that whole crew. That's that's excellent. That makes me sleep better at night. I'm I'm already anti-death penalty, and then like on top of that, like that's just grotesque. That's I mean, those are some serious fucking. And he doesn't he doesn't back down from any of that. He just doubles down on. Well, he's he's retired. What's that? He's retired. I'm guessing. Uh, he lost a bid for governor in 2019. Thank God. And yeah, right. And uh, I think now he just runs a, a farm. What's his name? His name is Robert Foster. Yeah. Sounds about right. He's a former Mississippi House uh, lawmaker. Tried to go for governor. Didn't pan out right. But, uh, you know, it's he actually there's another thing that I wanted to kind of mention in here. And that's this. There's a word that's been getting thrown around by conservatives a lot. And that's groom. Grooming is becoming a new dog whistle we're hearing. Yeah. Synonymous um, with brainwashing. Which is funny because, you know, if I had to guess who would be doing the most grooming, it would be people like Robert Foster who own a farm. But it also has really heavy human vibes, though, because it's obviously directed calling them you know, child abuser pretty much. 
Yep. And then how to get the how to how to get the dig in trans people also. That's classy. But uh yeah, that guy, he's he's an asshole. So he's Definitely. my asshole of the week. Yeah, fuck fuck that guy. He sucks. <laughs> yeah, this guy's a dick. All right, well, let's, let's transition to something more positive. Uh, pick of the week. Anybody want to start? I'll start. Whoever wants to go. My pick of the week um, is about four episodes old right now, and that is Winning Time on HBO. Mm. It is the um, it's the story, kind of like the docudrama slash comedy of Dr. Jerry Buss and his purchase of the L.A. Lakers and the rise of the Laker dynasty, I think is the tagline. The show's hilarious. It's well cast. John C. Riley is is Jerry Buss. A lot of other funny people that are in, in this as well. Oddly enough, Adrian Brody is Pat Riley. I did not see that coming. <laughs> Actually, you're pretty good. Like I think I can imagine he looks pretty accurate to Pat Yeah. Riley. For sure. And I mean, I started watching it a couple of weeks ago just to see what it was about. And it's it's captivating. It's funny, but also too, it provides you with like a really interesting lens of that Magic Johnson, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, 1970s team where Magic was coming into this team as kind of like a, a very flashy player that the Lakers had not had before in a new style of basketball. I'm on episode four right now. I'm about halfway through it, but it's it's funny. It's worth watching. It's a good show. You know what a funny anecdote about that show is that that show actually led to the dissolving friendship between Will Ferrell and Adam McKay. Adam McKay said that Will Ferrell won't speak to him anymore because apparently Adam McKay is kind of transitioned from stepbrothers anchorman to don't look up. And uh, the Dick Cheney movie name escapes me at the moment. Vice. Oh, Vice. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was the, that was the other movie. That was got, the Richard Nixon got, movie. Got <laughs> in movie titles. Not, not doing too well today. Nah, not um, at all. I was actually going to say uh, Andrew McKay. I was going to mention yeah, <laughs> earlier. I was like, no, that's wrong. <laughs> um, so apparently they already had some like feelings towards each other because like Will Ferrell doesn't feel like he wants to do movies with him anymore. And he's like too elevated at this point to do those type of movies like Anchorman or something like that anymore. But I think uh, he, I think uh, Will Ferrell, who was a huge Lakers fan, wanted to be Jerry Buss. And he ultimately went with uh, John C. Riley, who I think is a better choice, personally. I would agree. But yeah, apparently Adam McKay's been pretty open about it, that uh, Will Ferrell will not return his calls so far. I mean, I think, and I was telling my friend this, who is a Lakers fan, I think Will Ferrell would make Jerry Buss a cartoon. And yeah. he would yeah. just be too over the top. And it honestly, a lot of the recent stuff that Will Ferrell has done, I have not found funny. John C. Riley does a really good job of balancing like the humor of Jerry Buss while at the same time portraying him as like a human character, yeah. which I think is is what you need in a story like this because it's already filmed in a way that it's supposed to look like the 1970s. It's already kind of a little over the top, which is not bad, but it comes in doses, which is nice. But I think Will Ferrell would just be it would just be Jackie Moon 2.0. And I'm not interested in that. It's it's funny because, you know, Will Ferrell's known for all his goofy parts that he plays, right? And he's he's definitely a comedic genius. Mm-hmm. One of the movies or one of the shows that he's in now is with Paul Rudd and it's uh The Shrink Next Door. I've heard that's good. I and know. yeah, I've seen a couple episodes. Paul Rudd had a show on Netflix that was like with the twins or something. Yeah. Like, 
super good. And then, like, I don't think they're even doing another season of it. So stick to Marvel. Yeah, exactly. Stick to the cash cow. So I'll go next. Um, I just started, so I'm very early on in the process, but I'm digging it so far. It's a podcast called uh, Dead Eyes. And it is started by uh, actor Connor Ratliff. And it's basically the genesis of it is that it's all based upon a past failure. He was actually in line for a part in the Band of Brothers miniseries. And he actually got fired off of it because Tom Hanks, who was directing the episode at that time, watched a couple of the dailies and actually said that he had, quote unquote, dead eyes. So he replaced him. And ever since that moment, he he kind of was on a quest to kind of figure out, like, what happened. Because it was a part that he felt like was going to vault him into actually, like, more serious roles. So the podcast actually, it's not only about that. It's more of like a podcast about him, but there are episodes that are directed towards Tom Hanks. And Colin Hanks came on recently, and the most recent episode, he actually had Tom Hanks come on the podcast. So um, I'm kind of building up towards it. It's a really interesting story, but it's more of like a journey on his um on his career and kind of like a a topic of failures and successes in your life what character was he supposed to play in band of brothers i don't remember um but apparently i think he has reached out to some of the family members of the characters that he was supposed to play so Mm. it's um again I'm, i'm very much in the beginning of it but it's uh I recommend it to anybody so far. I'm 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 kind of hooked on it. So he's been in a lot of other things too, like um, the, um, the marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Yeah, Search Party. Um, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was on part of the Chris Gethard show, which uh, God, oh, I showed you that one episode with Manzukis and uh, Paul Shear. What's in the trash? What's in the uh, great? One of the greatest episodes of TV ever. If anybody who's listening to this, I'm going to throw a second thing out there. Go to YouTube. It's on YouTube. Look up Chris Gethard show, One Man's Trash, What's in the Dumpster. The entire episode is something's in the dumpster and they try and figure it out. It's fucking incredible television. It's really good. My pick of the week is actually going to be featuring someone we were kind of shitting on, um, Jared Leto. Oh, God. And uh, it's called We Crashed. And it is a kind of biopic of the founder and his wife of WeWorks and how they went from being one of the biggest startup unicorns of all time to essentially failing in quite a short amount of time. I think it's what's interesting to me. What I, what I like about it is that I love Jared Leto for this part, just because of the facts of what we were talking about before. He's easy not to like, and for whatever reason, you don't know why, but that's why he fits really well here. And, Anne Hathaway has in the more recent years has kind of fallen into that kind of category too. People are not that interested in seeing her. She's a great actress. Don't get me wrong, but she's gotten a lot of that, that type of, uh, criticism as well and together they are a power couple that you love to hate to watch it kind of goes with a trend of like i've noticed there's a lot of things that they're putting out on these days that you're not rooting for the characters necessarily you're rooting against them anti-hero and, yeah. yeah and um like i've i've gotten to through three episodes of this show and you just you can see why and where they're going and why they're kind of maniacs and you kind of you're rooting for them to fail so it's it's an interesting journey that i'm kind of hooked on right now and uh 
I can't wait to see where we go next. Ultimately, though, like WeWork itself has not fallen apart. Like they're they're still everywhere. There's a couple in there's one in Charlotte. There's a couple in Atlanta that I just saw. But it's just the founders of WeWork Mm -hmm. have like taken their golden parachutes and disappeared into obscurity. And that's and that's actually where the premise kind of begins, is that you're going to get like the end of the story at the very beginning Mm -hmm. and you're going to get how you got there. And right. uh, and yeah, you're following Adam Newman and his wife. Yeah. And, you know, Gato, you made an interesting point that a lot of these miniseries are about people who are very like, like not the best people. And I think I think a lot of it is like to engage in like schadenfreude, like, you know, to like have a mutual hatred of like a, a villain that we ultimately kind of root for in certain areas, but ultimately despise and can't wait for their eventual destruction. So it seems to be a trend lately, but uh, I will give that a check because I, I don't get the hate for Anne Hathaway. Even I don't that, either. I think she's very talented. Hate for a long time. And like I've everything I've ever usually seen her in, she's usually very good. So was it related yeah. to just like her, her behavior on set when she was younger? I feel like that had something to do with it or I don't, I, I, I'm not sure. Um, maybe, uh, you know, it's possible that, I don't know. She seems like a cool person. I remember she did the, uh, remember that show a while back? I think it was on like Spike TV, Lip Sync Challenge. Yeah. She did that. She, she was fucking cool as shit on that. Um, so I'm like, I don't know. She always seemed like a, a nice person, but again, you know, looks can always be deceiving. I'm sure. I'm interested I mean, in it. I've seen it. It's on um streaming platform. Is that on it's I believe it's link. Apple? It's, it's Apple. Yeah. All right. I'll dig into that. I'm on season two of uh For All Mankind, so that's been how many seasons? There's many only seasons? two of them, but There's... I'm on like the Who? Middle of the beginning. Second second season? Two, second two mice. Two mice? Two of them? <laughs> And yeah, obviously, if you, anybody has uh, anything to recommend or anything you wanted to discuss on the pod, please go to Second Mouse Podcast on Instagram. Give us a follow. Give us a couple likes and uh, send us a message if you want. So we're more than happy to do that. Tom? Yeah, I will. Uh, I will concur with Q on that. If you want to share your assholes or picks of the week, let us know. But once again, oh, folks, time out, time out. What Tom means is your your assholes of the week, not your assholes with us. Please yes, do not yes. share your assholes with important, us. Important. That's a good disclaimer, actually. I appreciate you uh, you pointing that out. Podcast, so yeah, please don't please don't do that. We are easily scarred, so don't do those dirty things to us. Because there's a good chance your asshole might become asshole of the week, though. That's it, that's very in possible. all likelihood that's how it's going to go. And we yeah. will read your username out loud, so don't do yeah. it. We will. Oh, this seems like we're just enticing people. <laughs> I don't like this game anymore. <laughs> we are playing a very dangerous game. But all that to be said, this show would not be possible without listeners like you. So just again, give us five stars and review on all of your favorite streaming platforms and share this episode with your friends. I, I want to give a shout out to all of our Apple podcast listeners. Cause it seems like you all are the ones that are the most engaged. Lastly, Again, follow us on all your social media accounts. Just search Second Mouse Podcast and give us a like and a follow. We normally share some pretty funny stuff like Chris Rock and Will Smith engaging in fisticuffs at the Oscars. And there's a meme about that. But again, follow us on there. And who knows? We could uh, keep your day a little bit more interesting other than the Zoom meetings you're in. And we will see you all next week. We appreciate you folks. Fuck off. Fuck off.
kidding he goes now clap please clap just clap for that you stupid bastard i need applause to live Suck it, Jack Sparrow. <laughs> <laughs>